This is, you know, the, uh, the Lord is, is good. He's never changed. The Lord never changes. And uh, when he says that he's the rock upon which we stand, it means that you have, the, you have the rock inside of you, and he wants you to be a rock. And so part of our call as being salt and light in this world is, is also to be rocks that people can look at. It's like, wait, there's like waves crashing against you, and you're not being moved. How is that? When everything is swirling and volatile all around you, how are you standing still? You know, in Psalm 46, verse 10, is a scripture that we've probably all heard before. It says, be still and know that I am God, or cease striving and know that I am God. But when you read earlier in that chapter, it's, a, it's the one right after the one I read, but it's, it's, kind of, it's like a warfare chapter. Like war is going on. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the earth and I'll be exalted among the nations. And so it's a precious promise of the Lord to just, the enemy tries to complicate things. And Paul warned us, he said, don't be deceived like Eve was. Out of your simple and pure devotion to the Lord. And so... Um, as things, as culture tries to tell us how we should behave and it gets more and more complicated and they're like, you need to read these books to know how to act. You need to read this book to know how to act. You need to read, no, you need to read, you got one book. One book. One book. Because it all depends on who's educating you on what those books are. And then if that becomes what you have to read to know how to love somebody, you're adding to the canon of Scripture, and this thing has been closed and sealed by the Holy Spirit, and it's His Word, and this is the only thing you need to love your neighbor and to love the Lord. And so it doesn't mean you don't read books. I'm not saying that. I read other books all the time. So, but what I'm saying is this, is this has everything you need for life and godliness. Everything. This will make that uh, obeying that word, this word will make you like Jesus. And so I want to talk about the authority of the believer. And it's, you know, and I feel like God wants to empower the church. And there's Jessica had a word for us at the uh, brunch last Sunday that I, I felt like was right on. I, I thought of a story when I, I told somebody. You know, you may not always be accurate in the prophetic, but I've always been 100% accurate in resonating with the word. So anyways, I, I, was say, I resonated with Jessica's word on Sunday, you know, and, and uh, I do feel like we're coming into a season of courage, of supernatural courage where, but I, I wanted us to understand that we have to, that comes from a place of looking at the one who has courage. Everything comes from looking at Jesus and beholding Jesus. And when you look at him you really, and you, his love floods into your heart, then you don't fear. You don't fear. It's like you love, some, you love people too much to be, even be able to fear them. And so the love of God coming into our hearts and us understanding how much we're loved by him is what breaks off fear of rejection, breaks off fear of man. 
And so ultimately what I believe is, is we're, the body of Christ, there's a, the pressure that's in, in the world is pressing us into the Lord. And, and so we can actually give thanks to the Lord. Uh, there's been many times in 20, all right, Siri's got her, she tries to interrupt me every sermon. I don't know what to do. I'll just pat her like that. And so, um, but the pressure causes us to press in. And many times in 2020, I just was like, God, thank you for the shaking. Thank you for the shaking. It was, it's been uncomfortable. Thanks, we've lost a few things, but thank you for the shaking. And so uh, the authority of the believer, first of all, we need to know what is authority. Authority is not a feeling it's a fact thing. And so the word of, declared, the word of God declares that, that we have it when we believe it. And so uh, the best example I know how to, to use to demonstrate uh, as an example of authority is a police officer with his badge. How many of you all have um, tried to go into Oconee Veterans Park during soccer practice evenings? All right, and you got the... You got the policeman out front directing traffic. Now, I've got a car. I've got a big car. I've got that, that white Suburban right there. I could plow him over. Because my, I'm much bigger and more powerful than him. But why do I stop when he does this? Because he's got authority. That badge gives him authority. What's back now, what's key is, is what's backing up that badge because you're pro you may not, when a mall cop says, hey, sir, would you please put a lid on your cup? You'd be like, you, you know, maybe you obey and maybe you don't, you know, so it's, but the key is what is behind the badge? And so technically a police officer has the entire U.S. military behind him. So he's got power behind him. There's consequences, accountability behind that badge. That's what gives him the authority. That's what gives him the ability to stand up to four-ton vehicles and they stop, even though those vehicles are more powerful than him. And that's what we have, the authority as believers, is that we're, we're that cop with a badge who's like, we're backed by heaven. I'm backed by heaven. And the things that are not allowed in heaven have to stop. They have to go. They got to leave. And so in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so submitting yourselves to God is the first key to operating in your authority as a believer. I used to teach school and I had one kid that kept coming to me who was being tormented by nightmares. And uh, I think I prayed for him one time and then he came and said, Mr. Gaston, I'm having the nightmares. And I said, okay, are you, what are you watching? He's like, well, I've been watching, uh, you know, some horror movie, can't remember the name of it. I watch, that, I watch horror movies before I go to bed, and I was like, okay, 
let's stop doing that. He said, well, I, I like the horror movies. I was like, well, okay, then you get to keep your nightmares. <laughs> and so his first job was like to, he, he had to basically submit to that council and, I, and that would help his nightmares. And so the point for us is, is that we submit to the Lord. If I've got, I can't leave a door open for the devil for him to manipulate me, man. I can't ask him to deliver me and then live a compromised life. I've got to, I've got to be submitted to God first. Then I resist the devil and the devil will flee from me. The devil wants to convince you that you don't have a badge, that you don't have authority. He wants to convince you that, hey, you remember you prayed that one time and like nothing happened? You don't have authority. You don't have power in your prayer life. And then once you start believing that, just because there is some resistance, you start believing my prayers are not powerful and effective, which James also says. He says the, the, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. So the devil doesn't want you to believe that. And so some of us, because we don't believe we have a badge, we believe we're enduring unnecessary torment that comes from anxiety, depression, fear, rejection, affliction. I'm not saying all of those things are from the devil. There's, you know, there's times where it's chemical or it's, could be your diet, could be you're eating too much pizza at night. I mean, who knows? But there's so many, I do believe that deliverance ministry is being restored to the church where we're casting demons out. And at the same time, we can have wisdom in how we treat our temples, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, our bodies. So this is the Great Commission scripture, but for the sake of uh, the message this morning, I called it the Great Authority. Jesus was communicating the great authority that we have. He says to the disciples, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is telling us, he's like, I've given you all authority. All authority has been given to me. And then in Matthew chapter 10, it says he gave authority to his disciples to heal the sick and cast out demons. The centurion in Matthew 8, he understood authority. He asked Jesus to heal his servant. Jesus said, all right, I'll come, I'll come over to your house. And he's like, you don't even have to do that. Just say the word, because I too am a man under authority. And I, under, and I, and I know that when I tell one of my soldiers to go, they go. When they and I tell them to stay, they stay. So just say the word, my servant will be healed. And it said Jesus marveled at this man's faith. And another way you could look at it is Jesus marveled at this man's understanding of authority. When Jessica and I lived in Texas, there was a, a woman who was a former Satanist who had gotten saved at our church. She actually tried to infiltrate the church and curse it. And then one of our pastors sniffed her out 
and she ended up getting, getting saved. And one of the things that she told us is that um, Satanists know how much authority Christians have. They know they have more power. And so the trick is deceiving Christians into believing we have no power. And sometimes it's fellow Christians agreeing with that voice that we have no power. But he says, we have to, we go and therefore make disciples of all nations by the authority of Jesus Christ. So part of this authority is having authority over the enemy. Matthew 10.1, he called to his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. My Bible says every disease. It says every affliction. What does y'all's Bible say? Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Now, when I say this, it doesn't mean that there's not resistance when we pray, and there's not resistance when we command. There's things that I just, I'm just saying it's not on God's end. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not blaming us. I'm just, sometimes we don't know why maybe somebody doesn't get healed. I just don't believe it's, it's on the Lord's end because he makes it very clear. Every disease, every affliction, everyone that came to Jesus was healed. John 4, 14 verse 10 says, Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So Jesus lived a life, as his life is an example for, for us. And even as he humbled himself and took the form of a man and a servant, he himself also submitted to his Father's authority. I, think, I just think that, that just blows my mind, what Jesus did. So he's listening to his father and only doing what his father tells him to, just like we're called to do. John chapter 12, verse 49 says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Now, I throw this a disclaimer out there is that as an individual, you're, you can, you're casting out demons, and, but you're not going after principalities by yourself. I wouldn't go over the principalities over Washington, D.C. by yourself, okay? That's a corp, that's, but the body of Christ comes together in agreement. And so you have the rankings of demonic forces, evil powers, just like in an army. You got ground foot soldiers, you got generals. And, and so you, you come after, you can come after the demons, like I said, but the principalities you leave to the body of Christ, I just want to throw that out there because I don't want you going after uh, the spirit of abortion on your own. Exercising authority. Jesus did not ask the Father to heal sickness. He commanded it. So you operate from a place of authority when you realize you have already received it. You have been given the badge. 
So that police officer, before I came with my Suburban, he didn't call in real quick. He's like, Sheriff, can I stop this car? Now the sheriff's like, yeah, dude, stop the car. He'd already, he already knew what he had the authority to do. And so he did this, stop. Then he went. Hmm. And so we operate from that same place of authority. We've been given the badge. And so um, just to encourage you, I know sometimes people will ask for prayer through text threads and you're like praying or even Facebook or whatever, and you're like, I don't know if this is really working. But I've got a couple of testimonies of just from this past week of um, I just simply prayed in the prayer. Somebody asked me for uh, prayer for, for being sick, and um, this person had COVID, and I said, be healed in Jesus' name. And I talked to this person later. She said the next day I was, everything was restored. I had another testament. Somebody else was sick. Texted the same thing. Be healed in Jesus' name. The next day they were, they were everything back to normal. Um, the, also this past week, Zuri was having some nightmares from a, a movie we watched, which was actually kind of like a family movie, but Zuri's just our most sensitive child. And um, she had nightmares for two, for two nights in a row. And she was getting in the, like, the only way she could fall asleep, and she, they started back to school, the only way she could fall asleep was getting in the bed with us. So the first night she was in between Jessica and I, for, thankfully a couple years ago we upgraded to a king. Yeah, but uh, otherwise it would have looked like an uh, inverted hot dog, like two people <laughs> with the, the hot dog on top of the bun like that. But um, so anyways, we, she slept in between us, kept Jessica up the first night. And then she got up the second night and I, was, I woke up first and I got in the middle. And uh, I was, you know, I, I was joking around with Jessica, said, I need to create a pillow for the people that love sleeping between the pillows. <laughs> we'll call it the valley or something like that. Um, so I was in the middle. I didn't sleep. But that second night, she's on my side, and I felt something rise up in me because I was like, there's a trespasser in my house and so I told but this is what I felt rise up in me so Zuri's on my left Jessica's on my right I'm in the middle and I'm snuggling Zuri and I just said it in a whisper as she's falling asleep I said this will be the last night you have nightmares and that's all I said to her I prayed first and then by that I told her Zuri I said this will be the last night you have nightmares and the nightmares stop. And, and so I'm, I'm telling you, you do not have to put up with the devil. And when there's resistance, you enlist help. But do not, the, the bottom line is, do not put up with it. Do not put up with it. And listen to the Lord. He's like, Lord, what do you want me to say? But that thing that it just, I, like I said, it was like a, a moment of just faith. I was just like, you're not going to have nightmares again. It's, it's over. And it hasn't come back. 
I could tell a lot more stories, but it's probably stories y'all have heard before. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 22, I want to talk about being in the stronghold. Now, the stronghold is being hidden in Christ. Being hidden in Christ is where the authority comes from. It's where your identity comes from, which your authority is derived from. It's where your purpose comes from. And the stronghold is the Lord Jesus. But 1 Samuel 22 says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Now David is on the run from Saul. Saul is persecuting him, trying to kill him, trying to kill God's chosen man, but out of jealousy and bitterness. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him, to David. Now get this, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Now, these 400 men later became David's mighty men. And then he had an elite the special forces of the mighty men who are the ones that were mentioned by name. Now, this doesn't look like the guys that you want on your team. Hey, who's having a really hard time? Who's in a super weak place? Raise your hand. The Lord's saying, come on. Come on. And what happened was it says he, David became their commander. So what did these 400 men who were in debt, bitter in soul, distressed, anxious, depressed, full of fear, tormented, what did they do? They submitted to David. Then they became mighty men. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And so the, they came under David's command and they became like David, who was a mighty warrior, who slew Goliath. Slayed Goliath. And so then they became giant killers. And it goes on to tell stories about what these men did. One man killed 400, 700 men. I can't remember the number, but the sword clung to his hand. And there is a physical condition that happens when you've worked so hard that your muscles freeze up. That's one explanation for that. Is that he couldn't, he, he, he was paralyzed from fatigue. And then there is the other thought is that he killed so many men that the blood dried the sword to his hand. Choose your favorite. And so you had that guy. And then you had one guy who there was a lion that they had trapped in a pit, but nobody wanted to kill him. And the dude jumped in there into the pit and was like, I'll kill the lion. So that was one of the guys. And you had another guy whose little lentil field was being ransacked by the Philistines. And he's like, those are my lentils. And he killed the, a troop of Philistines. The point was, he's like, those are my lentils. Get, that's, this is my house. You got to get out. They came under the command of David. When we come under the command of the Lord Jesus, he gives us his authority. We become mighty men and women. We could become giant killers, lion tamers. It says... One of us will run through a troop. 
The enemy flees seven ways. One of us put to flight a hundred, a hundred of us put a flight to thousand. You know, it's, it's just exponential effect. Now, the interesting part of this is the name of this cave that David hid in, where he sought refuge. The name of the cave is the cave of Adullam. And the meaning of the, of the name Adullam means justice of the people. So David fled to the place where he could find justice, right? He's being persecuted. Think about that picture. Where did these people flee to who were in distress and debt, bitter in soul? They fled to the cave of justice. So what is justice? The Bible says we have been justified by faith. We've been made right through the blood of Jesus. Justice looks like being set free from inner torment. And obviously we want to right the wrongs of external injustices, but as long as, like, you know, Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. What Jesus is also saying is like, there's never gonna be a lack of injustice until I come back. It doesn't mean we don't, it means, we do what Jesus did, give people cold cups of cold water, feed the poor, fight human trafficking, raise the voice against abortion, fight for you know, racial unity in the church. But it says the people decided to come to David, but this cave is not, it's, it, wasn't an inter, it wasn't an external right or wrongs though. They came under his command. And the only way you can actually experience justice is from the inside out, through the blood of Christ. Because I, I give this example. How many of y'all have heard or read the book or seen the movie Unbroken about Louis Zamperini? Louis Zamperini was an Olympic track athlete during the time of World War II, got drafted into the war, flew an airplane over the Pacific, got shot down, stranded in the middle of the sea for over 40 days, barely alive. The Japanese found him, and then he was tortured for two year, two to three years after that, horribly. And the guy that he was, who was his main torturer, they, the soldiers nicknamed this guy the bird. So the bird was sadistic. I mean, just demonically filled. They eventually get freed. Louis Zamperini goes back to Los Angeles. But every night he's tormented by the bird in his nightmares. He's actually said it was worse than when he was in the prison camp. He became an alcoholic. He had to separate from his wife. Now he's in LA, he's free on the outside. but he's not free on the inside. He saw Billy Graham preach and he got saved and he gave his life to Jesus and the Lord delivered him from the bird again. And so this is what is happening and this is what true justice is, is to be delivered from your enemies. And the enemies are right in here. Because you can be free inside a prison cell. 
just like Paul, Paul and Silas. I've been listening to this song. It says, Paul and Silas were locked away. Chains could stop their praise. They're worshiping the Lord in prison. They're not even praying for the, the gates to open up. They look at it and they look, oh, we're free. They're just enamored with Jesus in prison. And then God starts doing stuff for them. And then the, the prisoner is about to do the samurai kill himself thing. And they're like, stop. No, don't kill yourself. We'll stay here. Because <laughs> they, were, they were free. So that's being under the authority of the Lord. Another key is the listening heart. One of the keys to walking in authority is having a listening heart. So remember Jesus said, I only do what I hear my fathers say. King Solomon said, give your servant an understanding heart. This is actually the word Shema, which means to listen with the intent to obey. So Solomon, his, his one prayer that, that gave him all the riches and all the wisdom was, give me a, a heart that hears and obeys. Understanding is what leads to a listening heart and the, and the, the Shema word. There's no actual ancient Hebrew word for obey. There's only listen, which means if you hear, you will obey. In the Bible, if you wish to express, so let's say in the Hebrew language, if you wish to express, I will listen and do as you say, you use the single word Shema. Shema wraps all that into a nutshell. And so in Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why the prophets would say they have ears, but they're not listening. They're not Shemaing. They're not listening with the intent to obey. They're doing this. Uh huh. Yes, sir. Mm -mm, mm -hmm. All righty. Let's, let's do this. And they're not, they're not doing this. Yes, sir. Uh huh. I'll do it. All right. Let's go. They weren't shemaying. They had ears, but they weren't hearing. And so the same, the same can be true for us unless we listen with the intent to obey. Advance me. And so uh, keys to the kingdom. Matthew 16 says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus said to them, his disciples, who do you say that I am? Some of the disciples, some say Jeremiah, some say Elijah, some say the prophet, you know, a prophet. And he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and, and uh, Jesus says, Simon, flesh has not revealed this to you. Meaning, Holy Spirit showed you this. It, it takes a revelation from God for you to understand who Jesus is. It takes God opening up your eyes. But I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Now, what Jesus is saying here, he's, not, he's saying that this revelation, Peter, that you just got, that I'm the Christ, the son of the living God, I'm going to build my church on that revelation. But I'm also going to 
call out your purpose. I'm going to start calling you Peter, which means little rock. Because you also are going to help build my church. You're going to be an apostle that builds my church here. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we've been given the keys to the house. Jesus, this verse 19, this is another way of saying what you see in heaven, it gets to happen on earth. What you see not happening in heaven doesn't need to happen on earth. So in heaven, there's a celebration of life. There's eternal life. There's no death. What needs to happen on the earth? There needs to be life in all of its forms to be, to be celebrated and shared. In particular, those that don't have the voice to speak for themselves, the unborn. And so Simon Peter confessed Jesus' identity and purpose I get this. Jesus conf- Simon Peter conf- confessed Jesus's purpose and identity, and then in return, Jesus confessed to Peter his identity and purpose. And so when we have that confession on our mouth, it opens up our heart to receive who we are, to receive our identity in Christ. And this is the foundation of the church. And I'm telling you, there's going to be more, even more pressure to accept the belief that there's many more paths to salvation than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Nobody has paid the price for sin. Nobody has lived without sin apart from Jesus Christ. Nobody is the Son of God except Jesus Christ. He is the only way. And the devil has come up with many counterfeit religions But there is no religion where God left heaven and came from man. All the other religions are us trying to find God. But Jesus came and found us. So we've been given the keys to the house. We've been given authority. And it's time to plant a flag in the ground over your house, over your family, over your life, and say, this is God's house. Trespassers not allowed. And the trespassers are, are not flesh and blood. They're of, the, they're of the devil. We love our neighbors. We love our enemies. There's no other religion that gives you the supernatural ability to love your enemy. That's not of you. That's of the Lord. That's of God to hang on a cross for his enemies. And so we've been given that same ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to love our enemies and to love our neighbors. That's the authority that you have. And when you you start, when you pray for sickness, I challenge you to start telling it to come, come out. Start telling it to leave because you he's you've already been given permission every sickness every disease